This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, though, we're going to continue our Advent series, Christmas Spirit, by talking about how the Holy Spirit makes us holy. Now, it is uh, finals week. I think our Oral Roberts University students maybe have just finished up, and many of them went back home already. For our high school, junior high students, you are heading towards finals. Some of our other university students might be this week. Um, thinking back to my classroom days, I know during finals week, I was always concerned with what kind of tips or tricks can I use to remember certain formulas or dates or people or places, right? And so the way our brains work, we would all make different associations between this is how I'm going to remember that and that's how I'm going to differentiate that. And if you're a student and you think, I've never done any of that, you should try because uh, it will help you. It's called studying. And uh, finals week will be much better and your parents will like you over break and everything will be so much better if you do. But uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we actually get a little tip from him as to what he does in his name. He is the Holy Spirit and part of his job in our life is to make us holy. Now, for, for some of us, uh, depending on our church background, that idea of holiness might be a little scary, might be a little off-putting. You might feel like, I know where this is going. I'm about to be told what movies I can watch, how long my uh, clothes need to be, how much skin can show, how much what the appropriate amount of makeup is and what the Jezebel amount of makeup is. Uh, you know, and you've just got all of these different like variations and thoughts and concerns. Uh, but what I, I want to assure you of this morning is that holiness is so much more than a list of rules. It's so much more than the, the particular emphasis of one denomination or another. It's more than uh, the, the patterns of your family or the, the, the this customs of your culture. But holiness at its core is just the natural outworking of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, you will live a holy life. And so holiness isn't something to be feared, but in fact, holiness is something that leads us into the fullness of life that God intends for us to experience. When the angel appears to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and begins to tell him about who Jesus is and what Jesus will do and assure him that Mary actually is telling you the truth, this is from the Lord and here's what it is, we find even in the angel's announcements hints at the holiness that Jesus intends to bring to us. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. In verse 20, it's speaking of Joseph, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the mission of Jesus is to save us from our sins. And the mission of the Holy Spirit is to work with Jesus to accomplish this in our lives talked about this over and over throughout the fall. The Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit is the one who does not let us be satisfied living separately from God. 
It's the Holy Spirit who comes and reveals Jesus to us as our source of righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and reveals Jesus as our Savior. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and gives us the gift of faith so we can place our faith in Jesus Christ and move into his kingdom. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and assures us of our salvation once we've made that decision. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and sows his fruit and releases his gifts in our life as part of holy living. The Holy Spirit makes us holy just as Jesus intended us to be. At Christian Chapel, one of the ways we want to think about holiness is we want to think about wholeness. And so as you walk around the building or, or you listen even to the video announcements on Sunday mornings, you hear this idea of you were created to be whole. We were created to be whole. And really what holiness is, is just living in the wholeness of God that Jesus came to make possible for you. And, and so we talk a lot at Christian Chapel about, hey, we want to be whole. Your, your kids and chapel kids, in different ways every Sunday, Pastor Amy is teaching them, you were created to be whole, and Jesus can make you whole. Chapel youth on Wednesday nights, our teenagers are hearing every week, you were created to be whole. In our home groups, in our prayer room, in every ministry we engage in, through our kingdom builders giving and going, we're trying to make this announcement over and over and over again that Jesus didn't come just to save you from the eternal consequences of your sin, but he came to make you completely whole right now. Jesus himself later expands on this in John chapter 10, 10, when he tells us the thief came only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Created to be whole is the same thing that Jesus is telling us when he says that I've come to give you life to the full. To be created whole means that you are meant to experience spiritual wholeness with God. When Jesus came to save you from your sins, he doesn't put you mostly right with God. He doesn't put you kind of right with God. He doesn't put you on a path toward eternal life with God. When Jesus comes and saves you from your sins, you are instantly and perfectly made right with God. You are spiritually whole. There is nothing left that separates you from God. But Jesus doesn't stop just with spiritual wholeness. The wholeness he brings is whole life wholeness. So he brings relational wholeness. Anywhere that the enemy has broken your experience of wholeness in life, Jesus says he comes to restore and to give you life and life to the full. So he wants you to be relationally whole. He wants to release reconciliation and restoration in your marriages, in your relationships with your parents, in your relationships with your children, in your friendships, in your extended family relationships. Anywhere that sin has caused division or strife or heartache or betrayal, Jesus comes and says, I'm not just going to save you from the sin that caused it, but I'm going to bring wholeness to the pain that's been created in it. He comes to bring us physical wholeness. He comes to bring us emotional wholeness. He comes to bring us financial wholeness in any space where we are in need, where we are in want, where we are suffering under the effects of sin. Jesus says, I've come to make you whole. When the angel announces to Joseph that you will call him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins, it is a grand, like eternity-shattering announcement. It's not just that one day maybe these people will pray a sinner's prayer and then kind of limp through the rest of their life and arrive in heaven one day. It's that his salvation is perfect, his salvation is complete, and his salvation is always working in every aspect of our life. And I think most of us would say, that's what I want. I want to be whole. 
I want my relationships to be whole. I want my relationship with the Lord to be whole. I want my emotions to be whole. I want my, my mind to be whole. I want my body to be whole. I want my, my purpose to be whole. I want wholeness in every area of my life. And, and yet what I, I hope we understand this morning is there is a relationship between wholeness and holiness. And you can't have one without the other. And this is where maybe sometimes because of our background or maybe sometimes just because we're, we're re- not real sure we want to go all the way in on the holiness side, that we actually wind up holding ourselves back from an experience of wholeness. So if you want to be whole, you're going to be holy because that's how Jesus brings wholeness to you. We hear about wholeness. We hear about the power of the Spirit. We hear about the gifts of the Spirit. We hear about the fruit of the Spirit. And many of us say, that's what I want. I want to live a Spirit-empowered life. I want to live a life where God makes me whole in every area. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings wholeness by bringing holiness. And so, again, I understand some of our hesitation is, yeah, but now you're just going to try to get me to follow a list of rules. You're going to try to make my life look like yours. You're going to try to form me into some box. I know how this goes. I've been down this road before. But what I want to assure you of today is you don't have to fear holiness. Holiness is not a heavy burden laid on you. Holiness is a gift from Jesus that he makes possible through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you're afraid of holiness, I would encourage you maybe this morning, just even kind of take your eyes off that word and put your eyes on the word wholeness. Because what you will find is that the path of holiness Jesus calls you to is the place where you will experience wholeness. Now you're saying, Lord, I want this experience. And he's saying, okay, follow me in this direction. Saying, Lord, I want to find this restoration. He's saying, okay, let's take a step in this direction. And what you find is that as you say yes to Jesus and allow him to save you from your sins, as you embrace the fullness of life that he offers to you, he begins to lead you on a path every day where the spirit is coming and telling you, let's pick that up and let's put that down. And as you walk with the spirit and as you listen to the voice of the spirit, what you will find is on the path of holiness, you begin to experience the wholeness that you've been longing for. But you will never know wholeness without experiencing holiness. And so maybe another way for us to understand it is created to be whole also means you were created to be holy. You were not designed to hang on to a few secret sins. Jesus didn't save you 99% of the way and then tell you you can do whatever you want with the last 1%. Jesus didn't say, I want to call you into the light, except for this little element of darkness that you seem to enjoy. You can stay there on your own. And and this, I think, is where some of us get hung up at times. Because we hear the call to wholeness, we hear the call to holiness, and we think, "I, I do want wholeness. But there's still a few things in my life that I enjoy. There's still a few benefits to my sin. There's still some pleasure that I derive from certain activities, certain relationships, certain modes of thought or speech. There's still a few patterns of this world that I find personally beneficial. But what I want to encourage you with today is when Jesus comes to bring whole life wholeness, he does not leave you with permission to hold anything back from him. Life to the full is a life fully surrendered. And so when we're coming and saying, Lord, make me whole, we're saying, Lord, shine your light into the darkest corners of my heart. Shine your light into the most difficult spots in my relationship. Shine your light into the most stubborn, sinful places. 
Shine your light into the places where I trip and fall over and over and over again. And Jesus, in that place, I want to be holy as you're holy. And I know as the Spirit makes that possible, I'll experience the wholeness that you intend. In the birth story of Jesus, there are several examples of men and women who are living holy lives, who are used by God in the arrival of Jesus. We'll consider two this morning. We'll consider Joseph and Mary. So so first of all, Joseph, we read part of his story earlier, but we're going to back up to Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. So Joseph hears that Mary is pregnant. And before the angel comes and tells him that, hey, this is from the Lord. It's okay. Take her as your wife. This is Joseph's response. Matthew 1, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So there's two aspects of Joseph's life that that Matthew tells us about that mark him as a holy man. The first is that Joseph was faithful to the law. Now, as a, a good Jewish man, for Joseph to be faithful to the law meant that he had read and was familiar with the Old Testament. He had grown up in a life that was saturated in the scriptures. He knew that the Lord was God and there was no other like him. He knew that he was to follow the Ten Commandments, that he was to observe the Sabbath. He was to honor his father and mother. He wasn't to lie. He wasn't to cheat. He wasn't to commit adultery. He wasn't to murder. He wasn't to do all of these things. Joseph knew all those, and to be faithful to the law means that he was living rightly according to the law. Joseph observed the dietary customs required of Jewish people. He celebrated the feasts and the festivals. He honored those around him in positions of authority. He cared for the poor. He worked hard. He kept his word. He was doing the best that he could according to what the scriptures had revealed to him. Joseph's life reminds us that to be holy is still to live a life subject to the authority of the scriptures. It's still a reminder to us that God has revealed himself. He has revealed his purposes and plans. He has revealed the guidelines and principles that are to shape our life, to shape our thoughts, to shape our speech, to shape our action, and to shape our relationship. And what Joseph models for us is even when it's not easy and even when it doesn't make sense, to be holy and to be whole is to submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture. Right? And, and, and I don't know how familiar you are with the Old Testament law, but there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament. Joseph isn't just observing the Sabbath and not eating bacon. But he's, I mean, he's following rules about the, the materials that his clothing is made out of. And he's following rules about how far he can walk on certain days and what he shouldn't do. Because then the rabbis had come and expanded these 600 laws into all of these other applications. And Joseph was familiar with them. And there were probably a few of them that made sense. And probably a few he always wondered, like, why can't I cook a young goat in its mother's milk? Like, I don't, I don't understand what that has to do with my relationship with the Lord. But what did he do? He lived rightly according to the law. There's going to be times in your life as you're pursuing a life of wholeness that you're going to read things in the scripture that are completely foreign to your way of thinking and acting. And in that space, your job is not to dismiss those as relics of the past, but to hear them as God's plan for your life. And when you place your life under his authority, you are walking the path of holiness. The other thing we see in Joseph's story is that he was not just faithful to the law, but he was compassionate. When he finds out that Mary is pregnant as a righteous man, Joseph decides to pursue the righteous course of action, which is he must divorce Mary. But even there, he doesn't want to shame her. He doesn't want to humiliate her. It says that he has in mind to do it quietly. 
Here, Joseph models for us that a life of holiness does not and should not be a life of cold-hearted legalism. It should not be a life where you are constantly looking to elevate yourself over someone else. It should not be an endless competition with other religious believers to see who can be the most disciplined and who can prove how much they love the Lord through their own independent obedience of rules. It doesn't mean that you're looking for people doing worse than you to heap shame and humiliation and embarrassment on them. To live a holy life is to be faithful to the commands of the Lord and to be sympathetic with those who seem to be struggling. And this is what Joseph does when he looks at Mary. His, before he even knows what's happened, his thought is, whatever it was, it seems unfortunate, and I'm not going to make it worse for her. It reminds us that holiness, true spirit-inspired holiness, will always make our hearts warm towards the Lord and soft towards other people. And if you find yourself thinking, I really feel holy, and I don't like anyone, It's probably a hint that there's some work to be done. If you find yourself thinking, if everyone else would just get their stuff together and be as holy as I am, this family would be better. This marriage would be better. This church would be better. If that's you, maybe there's still some work to be done. Because to be holy is to be whole, and to be whole is to be compassionate towards others. Now, Joseph isn't our only model. We also see a model in Mary. Mary's story you find in Luke chapter 1. We read most of this last week. We'll just pick it up in verse 26 today. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, the only defining characteristic we're given regarding Mary is that she's a virgin. Her holiness is directly connected to her sexual purity. Now, Mary, we we know as we read her story, she is also faithful. She is also obedient to the Lord. She is also full of faith and willing for her life to be used by God. And, And yet, what Luke tends to highlight is Mary's virginity. And so it kind of points us towards this idea of God really does have a plan for our sexuality. And that you really can't talk about holiness without talking about sexuality. And it's so important that God actually includes allusions to it in the birth story of Jesus. Now, we talked last week about why the virgin birth mattered and why it had to happen that way and how it's the first proof of the divinity of Christ. But it's also a reminder to us that a holy life and a whole life is one that is submitted to the authority of scriptures and the authority of scriptures speak directly to our experience of sexuality. And what you find in the scriptures is God telling us again and again and again through the Old Testament and through the New Testament that God's plan for sexuality is that sex is a gift to be experienced between one man and one woman within the covenant of marriage. And so Mary is lifted up because she has honored God's plans for her sexuality. She has chosen to live a pure life. And and I mean, I I think it's straightforward, but we'll just say it anyways in case you're wondering. If Mary wasn't a virgin, she would not have been chosen. It was essential for her. And we see it wasn't just Mary, but Joseph also was a man of sexual integrity and sexual purity. 
The scriptures tell us even after the angel comes and says, take Mary as your wife, that in order to honor the angel's announcement of the virgin birth, Joseph and Mary refrain from any physical union in their marriage until after Jesus is born. And so what we see is a young man and a young woman who are committed to the Lord and it is expressed in their sexual purity. And, and I understand that, that as the, the years go by, the thought that God has a plan for your sexuality becomes more unpopular and seems more impractical year after year. And as, as a pastor, I am involved on a, in a regular basis of people who are struggling with the consequences of stepping outside of God's plan for their sexuality. But, but what I would want to remind you of this morning is that the standard for our sexuality is not our relationship status. It is the authority of the scriptures. And so if you're married, you submit to God's plan for sexuality. If you're engaged, you submit to God's plan for sexuality. If you're divorced, you submit to God's plan for sexuality. If you're dating casually, you submit to God's plan for sexuality. If you're dating seriously, you submit to God's plan for sexuality. If you're cohabitating, you submit to God's plan for sexuality. It doesn't matter if you think, well, I did it right the first time, but now I'm widowed, so I get to do whatever I want. No, you still submit to God's plan for sexuality. There is no expiration date on it. There are no exclusions and there are no exceptions. If you want to walk the path of wholeness, you have to walk the path of holiness, and the path of holiness all Always includes your sexual purity. Now, I, I, I don't know about you. I have not been in many Advent services where we talk just a lot about, hey, if you're married, do it. And if you're not, stop it. You know, but, but that's, that's what the scriptures teach us. And that's where we come to lay our lives down. And, and here's what I want you to consider today. If God has plans for your holiness in the most personal and private aspect of your life, then he has plans for holiness in every part of your life. The Holy Spirit doesn't come just to make us religiously holy. He doesn't come just to make you look good on a Sunday or sound good in a home group. He comes to bring whole life holiness to you. If God cares about your sexuality, he cares about your relationships. If God wants to dive into the most personal and private aspects of your life, then he cares about the public and outward-facing aspects of your life. If he cares about your sexuality, he cares about how you invest your time and your energy. If he cares about your sexuality, he cares about what you watch and what you share. If he cares about your sexuality, he cares about the things that you're feeding into your soul. If he cares about your sexuality, he cares about how you speak to other people. If he cares about your sexuality, he has plans for how you steward authority. If he cares about your sexuality, he cares about how you invest your time, your energy, your resources. If he cares about the most personal and private aspects, he cares about every single part of your life. And what the scriptures remind us of is that Jesus has come to bring us whole life holiness. There's nothing he doesn't care about. There's no space where he doesn't work. There's no place where he doesn't have a plan. As we, as we start talking about holiness, I, I know the temptation some of us face because it's a temptation I face at times. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I can be really good at discerning all the places where you need to be holy. 
right? Of like, yeah, I, thank you, Lord, for letting me preach on holiness because this one needs to do that and that one needs to do that and she better knock it off and he better start it. And, and, and you've already got those thoughts. Some of us already are thinking like, how do I discreetly send this podcast to someone? And you've got names and you've got situations, right? And you're like, ah, my teenager's here. How do I make them listen to it again? Do I make them take notes? Do I ask them if the Holy Spirit convicted them or if I need to do it? Like, you know, we just, we kind of have those thoughts. Like you've sat here all morning and you're thinking, I, I really hope my husband's listening. Really hope my wife's listening. Really wish my friend was here. Really wish my neighbor was here. Really, and, and we're really good. And, and we're really good, especially at holding others to a standard of holiness in an area where we don't struggle. Right? I, I, I have never had any inclination towards substance abuse in any manner. And it's really easy for me to look at someone who does and be like, why don't you just stop it? Seems pretty easy. I don't do it. Why do you? Right? And, and then for others of you, you might, you might come to a basketball game with me and be like, I've never really struggled with my temper and yelling in public at teenage boys. Why don't you stop it? And I would be like, why don't you quit coming to games with me? Like, I don't need you here condemning me. I'll be convicted and I'll repent and I'll try to do better next time, right? But, but here's what I want to encourage you with today. Of just for a moment, the band's going to come back here in a few minutes. They're going to lead us in a song. But just for a moment, just begin to ask the Lord, where, do you call, where are you calling me to a path of holiness? What am I holding on to that you want me to let go of? Where am I not being faithful to the authority of Scripture? Where am I not being compassionate towards another person? Where am I not being obedient to what God has revealed? Where am I settling for an impure life when God has called me to a life of purity? And as a way for us to evaluate that, I want to finish by reading from Galatians chapter 5 to you this morning. It's a, a beautiful passage. I wish we had more time. We'd, we'd walk through it in detail. But it's Paul describing life in the flesh versus life in the spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the thought I want to leave you with today is that whole life holiness is exactly what Paul describes. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A holy life and a whole life is a life that is in step with the Spirit. Because the Spirit will always lead you on the path of Jesus. And the path of Jesus will always lead you to the fullness of life that he's come to bring us. As angel told Jesus, as angel told Joseph, his name will be Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. From that day to now, Jesus, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, is relentlessly drawing everyone, those who know him and those who do not, into a relationship with him. And it's a relationship where day after day after day, you grow in your wholeness by growing in your holiness. Not through your own efforts or abilities, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit, who both inspires you and makes you able to hear God's voice and walk God's path. Will you stand with me? I want to pray for you, and then we'll, we'll give ourselves a chance to respond to what God is saying to us. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus, we come to you today, and in this season of Advent, we are thankful for your arrival. We're so grateful, Lord, that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus for us. You sent him as our savior, our deliverer, the one who breaks every chain of sin and bondage. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask in this moment, if we have not begun that relationship with you, today will you help us to surrender to Jesus as our savior? And Lord, I pray that you would come and through the presence of your Holy Spirit, you would show us the areas where you are calling us to holiness and to wholeness, where you are calling us to lay down every sin, to let you root out every desire, and to let you sow every gift and fruit of the Spirit in our lives that you desire. Lord, we come today asking that you would make us holy as you are holy so that we can walk in the wholeness of life that you intend for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.